Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today is going to be a fun episode with my friend Breck Bundy of Mule Deer Addiction Outfitters. Breck, how you doing? Doing good, Jay. Usually I introduce you as Breck Big Buck Bundy, but uh, <laughs> I, I saved you that uh, this time, but that's usually what my nickname is for you. Uh, you, a couple years ago, when I was up there in your camp, shot a 290-inch deer on the Arizona Strip in 13B. Has the smile worn off your face yet? It, it still hasn't, Gene. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at that buck on my wall, you know. What a, fun, what a, great, what a great time that was and a great year and, and a great group of guys. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I was super happy. You know, as much time as you've spent up there, it was super cool. I mean, the reality is there was a bunch of people with tags and, you know, a handful of people knew about the deer and what have you, and you were able to get it done and, and um, super proud that you were able to get that and happy for you because you deserve a big buck. Uh, before we dive into the Arizona Strip and all of what's going on, your forecast and what have you, um, let's talk a little bit about you for those that haven't heard you on a podcast before. Um, talk a little bit about where you live, and then uh, I've got a couple questions about what you also do other than outfitting for mule deer. So tell the listeners a little bit about uh, your occupation when you're not chasing deer. All right. Well, I live uh, in Washington City, Utah, which is, you know, just right alongside St. George, um, and we're just a mere, you know, 10 minutes from the state line from my house, you know, um, and so... Obviously, my, you know, my grandpa was actually born and raised out on the Strip, and so, you know, my dad grew up spending all his time out there, you know, or time away from home, and so ultimately, he ended up taking me and my brothers, and, you know, so we've been our whole lives, um, you know, going out on the Strip, but anyway, here in, in Washington, St. George, Washington County, me and my dad own a land surveying business. And so we do a lot of uh, subdivision platting, construction layout staking, um, commercial, a lot of hotels. We've done a lot of hotels over the last, you know, two or three years. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I do, uh, do, you know, to put food on the table, I guess, take care of the, take care of the family. <laughs> so to, to pay for your mule deer addiction. It, um, it, exactly. <laughs> so Breck, I mean, the real estate market has just been crazy uh, the last handful of years when we climbed out of our bottom of the 08 crash. And everything I hear about that St. George area is that it's just growing like crazy. And obviously, you guys have a surveying business. So you've been able to stay real busy with that, with all of the development, have you not? I have. I have, exactly. Yeah. And so would you say, like, Daily, are you out in the field running around the St. George area? I mean, literally measuring and, and staking and marking and then back in the office running drawings and what have you? Yep, I am. Exactly right. Every day I'm, you know, out in the field. It's pretty rare that I'm not. And if I'm not, then I'm in my office, you know, drafting subdivision plats or um, doing a record of survey, which, you know, shows how we establish property corners and whatnot. So... But, yep, every day I'm, I'm out and about somewhere. Do you feel like your background in surveying, um, does it convey or, or, or does it 
um, that's not the right word, does it uh, relate in any way to your background in hunting and, you know, navigating with, you know, Google Earth, Onyx Maps, all the different, all the different tools that are out there? I mean, has that been an easy transition for you? It has. It has. And, it, you know, in, in addition to, you know, mapping and, and just knowing locations and areas and, and things like that, but, you know, my surveying, when I first started out, not to get into too much of, too much of the details, but, um, you know, nowadays you see one guy with a, a GPS, you know, receiver on top of a rod. Back when I first right. started, we had, you know, what they call a total station, which measures angles and distances. And, you know, you had to physically stand there, you know, sometimes eight, nine, ten hours a day at the instrument while another person on the crew was out, you know, hammering in the nails and stakes and property corners and whatnot. So it taught me patience, you know, to be, to be patient. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it helped a lot, you know, as far as that goes. So. I'm, I'm sure you've gotten pretty good, too, at judging distances when you're constantly, sh you know, shooting yardages and, and shooting corners and such, you know, where, you know, if you're dealing with, uh, you know, measurements all day long, I'll bet you your, your perception of distance is pretty good. It, it is. It is. It's definitely, uh, definitely helped a lot. Well, Breck, uh, let's get into the nitty-gritty of the Arizona Strip. Um, coming off of last year, you know, pretty dang tough year from an uh, antler growth standpoint compared to normal on the Strip. Uh, where do we stand right now? What, do, what, uh, do you, what are your thoughts for forecast? It's going to be an incredible year. Um, we're, we're continuing to get storms. You know, usually... Uh, May and June are our driest years, or driest months, I should say. And this year, not, not only have we had incredible moisture, but the temperatures have been really mild. And, you know, the vegetation has just taken off like crazy. I mean, it's green, you know, green, really, really green, and the cliff rose is blooming. Um, and so I think it's just going to be an incredible year. And like you said, you know, last year was, was a tough year, and – you know, going back to all, you know, over the years, you know, however many years, looking back, you know, you've never had a bad, a bad back-to-back -back year. And so, you know, I think last year it was tough. You know, there were still some great bucks killed, but I think this year it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. I think, uh, I think you could see some bucks put 40, 50 inches on from what they were last year. I mean, I know you've been making trips out to the Strip and what have you and checking things out. Um, you talk about it being green. You talk about the cliff rose blooming. I mean, Breck, is this, I mean, is this one of those years like you maybe have never seen a year like this with moisture so far, or does it compare to a certain year, or is this like, yeah, I've never seen it like this? You know, for me, it's, as long as I've been guiding, I think this is probably – the best as far as the, the moisture and the temperature and coming off a bad year, I think this is going to be uh, an incredible year. I think it's going to be one of those, uh, you know, and I hope it is. I hope it's going to be, you know, like a 2008 or 14, 15, you know, I, and, I, and I really do. I, I, I think it's going to with the moisture and, and temperatures, and, and it looks like we're going to continue to get some, some moisture here this week, so. Yeah, I mean, you talk about getting moisture in May and June, which are your dry months, and then, you know, uh, 
you know, normally it's dry. It's right now is you know when it's dry, dry, you know, out there, and then it it really gets hot in June and dries up, and you know we have to wait till the monsoon. I mean, the reality is, you throw a little bit of temperature, you throw a little heat on this moisture. I mean, the vegetation, all of the the plants, and you know, it's just going to go crazy. It, it is. It is, and. You know, like I think yet, uh, yesterday I was talking to somebody and they said, yeah, this time last year it was 100 or 105 degrees, you know, on yesterday's yeah. date. And, and we're in this, you know, we're in the 60s <laughs> here in St. George, yeah. which is really uncommon in, you know, almost into June, you know. So, yeah, Pine, Pine Valley Mountain, which is just north of St. George, you know, it's got snow clear down. You know, I don't know how, what the level is, but it's, it's low. And so incredible, incredible year as far as uh, moisture and temperature. All right, we're going to talk about last year's bucks and, and Brian Rims's buck and some of that stuff here in a minute. But keeping the flow going on this conversation, my question would be, okay, you're anticipating a great year. Everything's stacked up with last year being a rougher year, age class of deer, you know, one more year. You know, you're thinking some bucks could grow 40, 50 inches. Um, from a trail camera standpoint, I know you run a lot of trail cameras. I mean, do you get out there and set cameras early? Do you not change anything and just do your normal routine? Talk a little bit about your strategy uh, going into this uh, fall season, what you're going to do. Well, we're, we're actually gearing up right now, um, and we're going to actually start setting cameras, you know, this next week, which is, which is early from, you know, what we typically do. Usually – you know, around the 6th of June or so, which I guess will be about next week, we'll, you know, we'll be, you know, starting at some of the out-of-the-way spots, you know, places that we need to maybe hike into um, to set cameras. We, you know, we'll start with those and then just kind of kind of flood, you know, in, in from there. But, um, you know, a lot of times it's nice to get them out early. One good thing about getting them out early is, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, uh, May and June, May and June are our two driest months. Um, you know, then the monsoons typically kick in around the fourth of July. You know, first or second week in July, and so you know, a lot of times we'll get a lot of you know heavy rainstorms and and whatnot. And it, you know, there's a lot of water everywhere. Which this year, you know, there's going to be a lot of water everywhere. But once it does, you know, finally dry up a little bit, um, we'll get those bucks coming to you know to water and before so, the monsoon hits before the monsoon hit, exactly. And so if you get them out a little bit earlier, that's the only reason, you know, we, we're going to start early this year. Um, and we have the last two or three years started around that first week in June. Um, but, you know, two or three, four years ago, I wouldn't start till you know, around the uh, 4th of July or something like that. And so, but, but that's kind of what we're going to do. We're going to start hitting it hard uh, this next week. And, you know, in addition to me, you know, all my guys run loops. And so... Um, we're kind of all spread out all over the place, and so that's what uh, that's what we're going to do. And looking forward to it. Looking forward to getting out and scouting. Sounds good. Let's talk a little bit about cameras. Um, and uh, you have a lot of cameras. You've run a lot of cameras. You have a lot of experience with different cameras. Um, talk about the cameras that you're running now. Um, maybe if it's multiple models, or if you're really high on a certain model or brand or what have you. Yeah, we're running primarily stealth camera and uh, coverts. Um, both, in my opinion, are great cameras. Um, we have run, you know, years and years ago, 
um, some of the mold trees, and they were they were good. I haven't run any of the newer ones, but um, but anyway, yeah, stealth cameras kind of been what we went to. Um, the reason being they're a little bit little bit brighter LED lights, um, so you get a little bit you know you can light it up a little bit better at night. You know if the deer's out you know a little ways further, you can can see it a little bit better over like the covert cameras. But the coverts are are awesome. I mean we've had we've had a lot of coverts for years now, you know, and they're still working. The battery life's great on them. Um, and so we, you know, a lot of times we'll use those the little coverts, MP8. Um, I don't even know what they're, they probably have a newer model, but, um, you know, we'll use those on the game and fish drinkers where it's just a little, you know, a little, uh, a little drinker that they come into um, in a little small area that they, you know, have to, to drink. And so we'll use our covert cameras on those and then, um, for instance, on ponds where it's, you know, tougher to get a, a good picture, you know, the deer may, you never know where exactly they're going to come in. Um, we'll use the stealth cameras just because they are, you know, brighter, um, give us a little bit more distance to, to be able to see what that buck is. What models on stealth cam are you running? Um, we have several different models. Um, I really love their, and I think you actually got some, Jade, the, the 4Ks. What is it, the yep. DS4K? Um, yep. That would be, I mean, if you, if you could afford it, that's, in my opinion, an awesome camera. Um, as far as the video quality, the pictures, it's a, it's a sweet camera. Um, and then we've got, crap, we're running some of the, and I don't even know some of the um, older model, the ZX24, I believe. We have several of those. And then, um, oh, what's the other, the in-between yep. model? You turned me uh, on to G, G34 Pro a couple of years G34 ago. The G34 Pro. There you go. Yep, I love the okay. G34 Pro. Okay. Um, as far as setting up your cameras and trying to help people um, that are listening in camera setup, what are some things you learned uh, as far as, you know, direction, height, um, you know, just Go through kind of your basic checklist of things that you've learned uh, while setting up cameras and trying to get the best uh, photos or videos. Okay, obviously one thing, you know, it's, and sometimes you have to do it, but, you know, facing into the sun, the sun coming up or going down. So east-west, you know, you want to try to get kind of a north-south if you can. Um, and, you know, sometimes the sun will cause your camera if it's, for whatever reason, you know, it'll take multiple pictures, you know, get the movement of the sun or whatever. But, um, and so as far as that, you know, north-south is the best. You know, sometimes I'll just look at a spot, you know, and kind of do a 360 all the way around the, the water and think, man, if you had this angle, you know, you'd have an awesome background. Um, and so I kind of look at that. And then, you know, as far as height, I set it up, you know, about waist-high, um, Sometimes you have to set them up really low and then tip them up. But I try to get somewhat of a level, you know, level to the deer's body and stuff if you can. Um, there's sometimes you put it up high in a tree and you have to kind of angle it down. But um, I know you and I have talked too, you know, it's the, the position of the deer and stuff. It can, trail camera pictures can be so deceiving. <laughs> and so to get yeah. that perfect picture, you know, and a lot of times what I'll do too is I'll, you know, I'll set my camera up. Um, how I think it should be, and then I'll, you know, let it take a couple pictures and, and just check, you know, check on my, you know, my phone or whatever, yeah. my iPad, and just check and see if that's set the way, you know, the way I want it, so. Talk about the actual 
trying to um, get animals, do you try and get them walking you know, perpendicular to the camera so they're walking by? Do you try and get them walking into the camera, away from the camera? What is your best um, strategy for that? Walking towards the camera is by far the best. Um, that gives you, you know, if you can get that head up, you know, dead on look at a buck, to me, that gives me, you know, some people might like a, a side angle, and, you know, a lot of times we'll get multiple angle, angles, you know, it might take a week or two weeks before we get, you know, a, a, a certain angle to where we want to see more on the left side or the right side, but, but definitely head on, um, in my opinion, is the best. So as far as, like, trails coming into water holes and stuff, talk about um, the way I understand it is, and you, you've kind of taught me this before. I've talked to you on the phone about it. Like, if you've got a trail, you don't want to put the camera where it, if, if the deer were to walk down the trail, it just gets a left or right photo of them. You want to get it where it gets the deer coming from a long ways away, so maybe you're going to pick up multiple pictures as well as, if the deer's leaving down the trail, you're going to get several images of the deer going away from you. Whereas if the deer was just walking perpendicular to the camera, you're, you may not even get the deer because it's just going to, the motion detector is going to go off one time and in one frame he's already going to be through it. You want that motion detector to get multiple chances at that deer coming straight towards the camera or even at a little bit of a quartering angle, right? Exactly. Yep, you're exactly right. Okay. And then normally, like this first set, when you guys go out next week, you know, what's your normal burst? Uh, obviously, talk about if it has to do with cattle or no cattle or, or um, talk about how your set, you know, your frames, how many pictures, blah, 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 what the delay is. Talk about your normal and then talk about if that changes as the season comes through. Gotcha. Okay, so what I do a lot of times is I'll do like one picture, you know, every 10 seconds. Um, and and that's, you know, in a spot, say, for instance, game and fish catchments, which, you know, most people would know what they are, but it's just a little enclosure and it has a, a tin surface that catches rainwater and then runs into a tank and it's, you know, for all the game, not for cattle. And so in those types of spots, you know, I'll definitely set it for one, you know, one picture every 10 seconds because primarily – all you're going to have is, you know, this game deer, uh, you know, rabbits, mountain lions, bobcats, all that. Um, and so one, one picture every 10 seconds um, I'll do. And sometimes, you know, especially these first couple months, um, you know, in the summertime, out on the strip, we'll get a lot of birds. Like, I mean, literally 1,000, 1,000, 2,000 pictures in a week of, of just birds. And so in those cases, um, I'll actually time my camera, or I'll have my camera start taking pictures closer to the evening hours when the deer are going to be more active. Um, so say, you know, 5, 6 o'clock, I'll have my camera start taking pictures, and then I'll have it stop taking pictures, say, around 10 or 11 o'clock. Uh, just that way it cuts down on, you know, all those thousands of pictures that we have to filter through um, versus, you know, just trying to get the deer or bigger animals. And so that's kind of how we set. So in other words, your midday, right during noon when the birds are just all over the water, it won't be taking, but at, at prime time, uh, morning and night, it'll be taking photos. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And we do that on a lot of them, not, not all of them. Um, and then obviously where there's, where there's cattle, 
um, you know, those cattle will just fill your cart up in a hurry. Um, and so we'll, same thing, we'll time those out, and a lot of times we'll do it a, a little bit more aggressive. You know, say we'll have it stop or start taking pictures at maybe 7 or 8 o'clock at night, so we only get that last hour, you know, of, of, of daylight, and then have it stop taking pictures at, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning, and just save this from, from uh, filtering through all those pictures. So, but same, okay. same thing, a lot of times on those two, we will just do like one picture every 30 seconds or, or one minute, you know, just to try to cut down on the amount of pictures we, we have to go through. I know um, Hunter Meekham and I over at the Ot6 Ranch, and I'm curious your thoughts on once we kind of get a couple of target animals that we're like, ooh, this, this buck or this bull or this bear or something is heading pretty random or pretty consistently, We'll then set up multiple cameras to get all kinds of different angles. Yeah. Do you do the same thing where, we, you know, maybe absolutely. in July when you start being able to tell what bucks are what and you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to kind of flood that area and try and get as many good photos or video that I can? Exactly. Yep, we do the exact same thing. If we get a really, you know, big buck or even, you know, a handful of them, and that's where, you know, that DS4K that Stealth Cam makes, I love it for this. So we get... A, a giant buck on camera, um, you know, we'll leave our camera that's taking pictures and, like you say, set another camera or even two more cameras just to get, you know, some really good 4K video. Um, and so, it, you know, it makes it fun, too, because you get all the different angles and, and everything else. But Okay, let's, you brought up something that I just want to touch on, um, and that's, you know, deer coming to water and timing. Um when would you say are the best times, you know, from all the years of running cameras, and it may change throughout the season, but, um, you know, let's talk about kind of this early season, you know, velvet season. When do you get the most pictures? Is it at night? Is it, you know, when is it? I would say it varies um, from, from location even, you know, because you, as you know, out on the strip, I mean, you can go from, you know, uh, eight, 9,000 feet up in the Ponderosa Pines, you know, up there, the deer are a little more active. Um, and as far as, you know, pictures at night versus day, I would, I would tend to say we get more, you know, more pictures um, evening, late evening than we do, say, you know, uh, early morning. But it, but it just, like I say, it kind of varies as far as, as location. You know, you go from the Ponderosas down into the to the, you know, low desert stuff um, where the deer aren't as active, you know, you definitely pick them up more at night. Um, evening, you know, late evening, early morning, and, and middle of the night, you know. And there's just, it's, it's funny. Some bucks, over the years, some bucks are, you know, um, they're not camera shy at all. They don't, you know, they don't care about the camera and, you know, don't care you know, they may come into water at 10, 11 o'clock <laughs> in the morning, you know, and, and that's where trail cameras are really, really beneficial, especially from archery, you know, for archery hunting standpoints, you get, you know, you get the, the ability, it gives you the ability to, to figure out, you know, or try to figure out when a certain buck or a buck or multiple bucks that you're hunting when they're coming in, and so... Yeah, that brings up a good segue to last year's archery season. Uh, Brian Rimza, you and I's mutual friend, I had him on the podcast, and he was talking about uh, 
you know, how fortunate he was to shoot that buck. I talked to Clay Bundy. I had him on the podcast, and he had talked about how you and um, MDA and Clay Bundy Outfitters kind of share camera sets and share information and stuff because the strip is so big. Um, talk a little bit about <clears throat> that archery buck. It sounds like uh, Talon had had some pictures of that buck, and um, you and Brian were able to get that buck killed. And, and talk about last year's archery season a little bit. Yeah, it was last year. It was tough, um, and, and and I haven't haven't had a chance to listen to the podcast that you did with Brian, but um, it was tough. I mean, we saw we saw our buck. Um, and our target buck, our number one buck, wasn't the buck that Brian ended up killing. Um, but Brian, once he laid eyes on the deer he ended up getting, he saw him, I believe, the night or, or two nights before. Um, you know, obviously wasn't able to, to, to get a shot, but he said, this buck is giant. You know, but Talon did. He was in an area that, that Talon uh, ran and got some awesome trail camera pictures um, and, you know, gave us an idea of what the deer was doing as far as, you know, coming in. Um, day, night, um, that sort of thing. But like you said, yeah, we've we've worked with Clay the last two or three years, three three years or so. Um, and it's like you say, the strip's so big, and it's like you know, Clay being family. Um, you know, we started talking, and it's like, well, if I have a camera here and you have a camera here, we're both going to be you know, and there's a big enough buck, we're both going to be here hunting anyway. So. Why don't we just share information and, and, and it frees up and gives us that many more cameras, that much more area we can run. So it's really worked out, I think, well for the both of us. Um, and, and so it was a lot of fun. But like, you know, last year's archery hunt, like I say, it was, it was tough. Uh, it finally dried out. It rained a bunch before the hunt. And then it finally dried out. I think Brian killed his buck on day eight, I want to say. Um, but it was tough. I mean, it was a tough eight days. We got really close, you know, spot and stock one one morning we turned up uh, our number one buck, which Brian called Kickstand. Um, you know, later on during the rifle hunt, one is that the one Nick Mutt shot? Uh, it might have been the one Nick shot, but uh, oh, awesome you're deer. talking about the the buck that got shot on the rifle hunt? Yeah, on the rifle hunt. Yep, yeah, no, okay. not the one that Nick okay. shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not that okay. one. But yeah, one one okay. that got shot on the rifle hunt. No, but. But, you know, last year, I mean, like I say, it was tough. We were, you know, we were, uh, we were in the right spot, and, and Brian got it done. I mean, he made a heck of a shot, and, and I mean, what a buck. I mean, it was, I, oh, I don't man. know, what it was a one buck. of the biggest bucks to come off of the strip last year, you know. And so just an awesome, awesome buck. And, you know, Brian's been up here and helped his dad, uh, helped his wife, you know, kill great bucks, and, and it was finally his turn last year, and, and we got it done. Yeah, it was fun because Brian was up the year. Parker, um, when me and Dar and Parker were up there, um, Brian was up there uh, as well. And then he was up there, you know, you guys shot Aspen's big buck. You shot um, Nicole's big buck, Skip's big buck. Um, it's just been just been awesome to see you guys, uh, your whole team and all the success. I remember, shoot, it's been a couple years, but I remember uh, – I think it was the year Danny Bright had a tag. Um, uh, what was her name? Uh, the girl that shot the just a whopper buck with one of your guides. And then um, uh, Brett that same year, uh, I forget I forget the guy, Niels Foley 
yep. wasn't it Mills or or maybe yep. his daughter? I forget. One of them shot a big old like two twenty five buck too. Yeah. Yep. Mills did. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we, we've okay. Had, let's we've had some really good. Oh, so, sorry, Jay. I was just going to say we we MDA and the Rimsas have had a had a really good uh, <laughs> good streak the last few years. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about this year. Let's talk about um, your thoughts on, you know, last year with, yes, there were a few good bucks shot, but overall antler growth was down. You know, how much you think that one-year extra growth, you know, one more, one more year of age class is going to play into this year uh, with great, you know, range conditions? How is that going to, you know, how do you think it's going to shape out that? I I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, thinking of one buck in particular, just right off the top of my head. So two years ago, not this last year, two years ago, me and one of my guys, Andy, filmed this buck on like July eighth uh, or tenth or something. Anyway, this buck was a we knew he was a really young buck, but he was he was awesome. And last year, you wouldn't even, like you could hardly recognize him. He was down that much, you know. I mean, he was off big time. But this year, I think he could, you know, with that one more, like you said, one one year more age on him, um, and a, and a year like this, as far as the moisture and temperatures, I think it's going to be mind boggling. Um, and so, so it's it's a type of buck that like you'll be able to. <laughs> You'll show the photos of him last year, and then you're thinking you'll show the photos of him this year, and people will be like, how is that even the same buck? I mean, that's what yeah. you're thinking? It's just going to yep, be a just exactly. completely 40, 50-inch difference of just craziness? Yep, yep I, I do. I really do. And, you know, even last year, you if you looked at the buck from, from last year and then the year before when we filmed him, you know, I, I had to sit and look, and I'm like, that can't be the same deer, and it and it was. <laughs> I mean, it was just almost yeah. like holy cow, he was down that much, you know. But and like I say, he was a younger deer, and and this year, you know, he made it through last year. Obviously, um, he's just got that one, you know, he's one year older. He's getting to that point where he could be something special. So now, talk about just bucks in general out there that aren't even on your radar. Um, they could potentially just blow up as well, right? They, they could, yep, yeah, they could. I think there's going to be bucks this year that that we're going to say, where did that buck come from, you know? And and going back, it might even be hard to tell, uh, you know, looking at pictures from last year to this year, what buck it was, you know? That's how much I think, um, how well I think it's going to be um, this year. How good, yeah. How good, yep, exactly. Yeah, so seems like when we've done some podcasts in the past, um, you know, A has been kind of, you know, it seems like everyone's kind of said, man, A's been struggling, you know, 2010, they shot all those big deer and it's just never seemed to really bounce back. What are your thoughts on A um, going into this year? I think it's going to be, be better. Um, I'm, I'm still, you know, recommending suggesting to guys that uh you know they especially guys with max points um to go with 13b you know first and only still um that being said with a year like this um i think 8 13a and with you know the the game and fish lower and the tag numbers what two years ago 
um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot better than it has been. And not that A's, you know, it, it's just not at its true potential. Um, there are still a couple great bucks on A that we know of, um, and there's probably, you know, a, a bunch that we don't know about, but, um, but that's what I'm recommending. I'm still saying 13B first and only for, those, for guys that have, you know, max points. Um, just because, I, and I and I think it will happen, and it, hopefully this year, I, I, you know, 13A is going to come back and and uh, and be back to to what it uh, what it has been in the past. So 15 tags, uh, I believe, on A. I mean, that's just not very many people for you know. If, if it were to dry out, that if that archery tag would be pretty dang good don't you think it it would yeah it would for sure um and, and that's what yeah that's what they did they lowered they went from 25 tags on on 13a to 15 and then they lowered it i believe from 65 or whatever down to 50 on the rifle and and i think that's going to help i really do i think the those lower tag numbers um you know it's going to get those get the bucks the age they need to to be at their you know the top of their maximum yeah exactly um, Breck, I want to take a quick second here and thank the sponsors of this podcast. Without the sponsors, this podcast wouldn't be possible. I also want to point out to everyone listening is this podcast is free, um, and the support of the – I'm able to spend the amount of time that I do because I have sponsors on the podcast, so I really appreciate the uh, listeners supporting these uh, podcast sponsors. I want to thank GoHunt.com. My friend Cody Nelson is the optics manager. Uh, over at the gear shop at GoHunt.com. If you have any binoculars, spotting scopes, tripods, any glassing uh, needs, any optical needs at all, uh, give Cody a call at 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. You can also send him an email at optics at GoHunt.com. Uh, I also want to remind you guys about the GoHunt Insider. The GoHunt Insider, if you go to GoHunt.com forward slash jscott, uh, you're going to get a $50 GoHunt Gear Shop gift card just for signing up. That is the best Western hunting resource when you're looking at, you know, these states like Arizona, Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, all the Western states, uh, they have the best draw odds. So go to GoHunt.com forward slash jscott and sign up for an Insider membership. Uh, I also want to thank Kuyu, that's K-U-I-U, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Uh, Kuyu is the gear that I wear on all my hunts. You can go to K-U-I-U.com for more information, and you can order uh, right off of the website. <clears throat> also, CanyonCoolers.com, based right out of Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, the coolers that I use all summer long, fishing, and the coolers I use during my hunting trips. Uh, use the JScott19 promo code for a 10% discount. Phonescope.com, uh, that's the digiscoping device I use on my phone for videos uh, and pictures. Uh, use the JScott19 promo code at phonescope.com. You're going to get a 10% uh, discount. And onxmaps.com, if you use the JScott19 promo code, you're going to get a 20% discount there at onxmaps.com. I use Onyx uh, for all my hunts. Uh, I used it down in Mexico. Even though the public-private overlay doesn't work in Mexico, the topo, or excuse me, the aerial worked awesome. I was able to plot points and roads. And, um, and then when you're in the States, 
uh, uh, in all these different states. Uh, you know, it, you've got the topo overlay, the aerial overlay, you've got the measuring tool, uh, you've got the breadcrumb feature. Um, it's just an awesome resource. Uh, you can use the desktop to uh, import and export stuff off Google Earth into the desktop, and then it's automatically on your on your Onyx on your phone on the app. So uh, use the JScott19 promo code, and you're going to save 20% there at OnyxMaps.com. I want to thank all of the sponsors, and thank you guys for supporting those sponsors. Okay, Breck, uh, we've talked a little bit about 13A, and so you're saying with people with max points, you're still telling them chase the B, you know, the, the, the rifle B tag. Um, do you think that the age class, I mean, do you think this year could be one of the best years we've seen in B? Um, you know, there have been some phenomenal bucks shot in the last four or five years, uh, but do you, do you think that this this year could surpass and maybe overall in general be one of the best years we've ever had? I think it's going to be definitely up there. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, as good of a year as we've had. Um, I really I really do. Even, you know, a lot of times we can look, you know, look at bucks that made it through the hunt and, and you know, know that he's going to be a great buck. And, this year, I think it's one of those years that you're going to have a lot of these younger, younger bucks that uh, that are just going to blow up. And so, I, I would say it's going to be be a phenomenal year. As far as the timing of the season, uh, you've got uh, the 13B uh, hunt starts on November 8th through the 17th. Being a wet year, I mean, do you think? they'll be potentially rutting um, at the beginning of that season, or do you think it'll have to wait till towards the end to see some rutting? Um, it just depends. Um, you know, if we get some early, you know, like a cold spell and a little bit of moisture, I think that really helps get the rut going. Um, you know, I've talked before on your podcast, you know, like going back to 2008, you know, we had a, a cold spell that came through and, and it actually snowed, I think, the week before the before the uh, 13B hunt started, which, you know, was the first weekend, uh, first week of, uh, first Friday of November, um, and, and we saw some great rut activity, you know, in 2008, and so I think it just, just depends, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, towards the tail end of the hunt, um, where 13B is first just this year will be, you know, you'll see a little bit more and a little bit better rutting activity the later into the hunt you go. Yeah, for sure. And then A, obviously, the the rut should be going pretty darn good in A with those dates. Uh, you know, the, the dates overlap, uh, but you've got November 15th to the 24th. I mean, the last seven days of that hunt should be just crazy, shouldn't it? It, it should. It should, yeah, because, you know, a lot of times, uh, or what I've seen over the years is, you know, the peak of the rut a lot of times is right around, you know, Thanksgiving. And so, yeah, those those later dates on 13A are going to be it, – it, it should be awesome. Is there um, – you're looking at your buck right now on the wall. I'm sure you're looking at some of the others on the wall as well. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> you know, if there, <laughs> it's hard to look at a 290-inch deer – or what was it, 291? What did it end up scoring? He was two – I think he officialed at like 286. Um, gross, and then netted 274, <laughs> I think, something like that. And, I mean, that's, what is that, one of the top ten biggest bucks ever harvested on the strip? 
Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's got to be right there. Like top five. Um, yeah, yeah, top, top, yeah, top five, ten, somewhere. He's, he's definitely, definitely in there for sure. I was, I was uh, very fortunate and and lucky to uh, to get him. But. I mean, do you think that a year like this? I mean, would it surprise you if a buck like the one you're looking at on your wall? Would it surprise you if if a buck like that comes out of there this year? Um, it, no, it would not surprise me. I think it's. Uh, I think there's a good chance that there's going to be you know, one or two special bucks, maybe even three or four uh, roaming the hills out on the strip this year. You know, um, I was talking with uh, Jason Bond of Bond Outfitters, and he does a lot of stuff on the Kayabab and 12B and does some stuff on the strip. And he pointed out, too, I think all of the um, auction tag holders are still have tags in their pocket. I'm not sure about the raffle tag holders, but um, he pointed out that just keep in mind if you're applying for the rifle hunts that a couple of the bucks will, you know, get uh, probably mucked out by the um, by the auction tag holders. What's exactly. your thoughts on that? Yep, yep, that's exactly right. And you know, it's one of those things you just have to have to deal with. You know, I know even you know back when Daniel Franco uh, drew the tag in what was that 2011 or no no yeah. 2013 13 13 right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, 2013, um, you know, we had talked about it, and it's like, man, it's just, <laughs> you know, and one of the bucks, one of our top bucks that we wanted to hunt uh, ended up getting killed by a, a raffle hunter that still had his tag. And so, so yep, that's that's a definite possibility. Um, there, I still remember that buck. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you, Breck. I still remember that buck. Um, if I remember right, there was like a big tire, and you would You'd sent me and Daniel a bunch of photos, and I mean, he lifted his head, and it was one of those you just, you just, your jaw just dropped when it, um, there was like a big tractor tire or something in the photo, and yep. um, I think that's the buck, and then it, that buck ended up getting shot, but Daniel was fairly heartbroken over that. He, he was, he was, and that's, you know, that's just one of those things, you know, going into this year, um, you got to think, okay, two of the, two of the biggest deer, or potentially two of the biggest bucks are going to be be killed before you have a chance to hunt, you know. And so, and that yeah. they have till I believe it's like what August fourteenth um, or something yeah. like that. And then, and then, then you have this next year's, you know, the two auction tags and a raffle tag for this year that will start. They can begin hunting on the fifteenth of August. Uh huh. And so, so potentially you may have five or six, you know, of the biggest bucks uh, killed before you even get a chance to hunt. So it's kind of a it is kind of a downer for those guys that you know have max points and you know are are really likely to draw. But it's one of those things that uh, you just have to. Well, take it, as it it's goes, like I that guess. almost every year, other than the fact that maybe last year was bad and everybody's you know waiting to to harvest this year. But you know that that's going to happen every year. Um, you know maybe it's only two or three tags on most years since. You know, last year was a drought, and, and most of the guys are waiting. But still, I mean, there's a lot of bucks to go around and a lot of great exactly. bucks to go around. Exactly. What about non-typical points uh, on, on a year like this, non-typical points? What's your thoughts on that? We're, we're going to see a lot of bucks with, with, uh, with trash, with non-typical points, for sure. On, on, on a year like this, with the moisture we've had and the, the, the feed that they have, uh, a lot of bucks in the strips known for, you know, big, gnarly, 
gnarly deer. And so I think we're going to see a lot of bucks, even younger bucks, uh, have some trash on them. What would be, you know, guys listening to this podcast, um, you know, thinking about applying, uh, whether they have max or whether they're just going to try and get the tag in the random pool, you know, what would you tell those guys as far as, I mean, yes, it's the Arizona Strip, yes, it's a great year, but you still have to kind of ground check your expectations, do you not? You do. You absolutely do, no matter, no matter the year. And I think you and I have discussed this before. You know, even on tough years, there's some great bucks. Um, there were some good bucks killed last year. They're just far and few, far and few between. And, but even that being said, you know, you, you know, you think of the strip and it is, it's a, it's an awesome place and it produces, you know, some of the biggest deer in the, in the world. In my opinion, you know, 13B is the, is the number one tag to have. Um, but it's not, you still have to come up and, and, and hunt, you know, and, you know, physically, mentally. Well, and you have to have things go your way, right? Exactly. I mean, you, you do. You, not only do you come up and hunt, but, I mean, a lot of things have to stack in your favor. I mean, you could have the best guides. I mean, let's face it. There's some great guides up there, you guys included. There's some great guys. Everybody's trying to kill a big deer, but not everybody does. I mean, you still have to have things go in your favor, and it, so, has, to so be, you know, it has to be meant to be. Exactly. I mean, like, for instance, last year, um, you know, Brett, you know, Brett really well. Um, yeah. Brett was, Brett was, uh, you know, guiding and he's got, you know, he, you know how, you know how Brett is. I mean, he just, he's going, he's always thinking and, yeah. you know, and so he's got, he's got guys all set up and, and everything and, and, you know, another outfitter, they were late and they were hauling butt down the road and came around a turn and there was this, you know, he was a big deer standing off the side of the road. He was just in a little spot that Brett, couldn't see into and his spotters couldn't see into you know so and they were only you know probably four or five hundred yards away from the buck when it got shot and so like you say everything you know it's still gotta it's still gotta come together <laughs> so i want to i want to be the guy in the vehicle one time i just want that yeah. one time of going, okay i'm that guy i just want that one I, time because I've, I've seen it happen so many times where you're the one at you know three in the morning hiking up with the headlamp, and then you yeah. know it just it just happens, and that's what I was getting at. Like, um, you still have to set your mind right when you go on hunts like this because it is not. I mean, you could literally hire every of one of the best guys on the strip and have every one of them working for you, and it still might not work out. Like, you have yeah. to set your mind that it's a grind. You have to set yep. your mind that there's going to be some deer that potentially are going to, you know, slip through your grass. You have to be able to refocus and reshuffle if, you know, a deer or two gets killed. You, you know, you have to be able to dodge and weave and pivot. And I think a lot of guys get it, get in the mindset and they just have a mental breakdown. I mean, I've seen it up there on the strip. I've yep. been up there a limited time. Um, but I've seen guys literally pack up and leave and, and quit. And it's because they don't set their mind right for what they're about to, you know, partake in. Exactly. Yep. You've got it. Yep. You've got to have that 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 mental understanding that hey, this could, you know, this could be a grind. Like for instance, uh, the guy that Brett guided last year, Tom Polii. You know, we we did everything. You know, we were busting our butts, and and Tom ended up killing a, a cool buck the last day of the hunt. You know, but. He, he knew, you know, he was staying there the whole time, no matter how tough it was, or, you know, this buck gets shot, right. you know, just over the hill from where they couldn't see into, you know. And so, yeah. you know, 
and he ended up calling a cool, killing a cool buck on the you know the last day of the hunt. And so so you're totally right. You gotta you gotta have it you know mentally. Hey, it could be a grind. You know so. Yeah. When do you expect the bucks um, to really be in that shape and form where you can look at them and go, yeah, that's going to be a smoker? I mean, at what point in time? Is it is it mid-July? Is it, you know, late July? When is it where you're like, oh, yeah, that, that buck is, you know, on our list? Yeah, t- typically, you know, by the mid- middle of July, we'll, we'll have a, a good idea. And even, you know, there's been some years that, you know, I'm thinking back years and years ago, like in the uh, late 90s, I filmed a buck. There were, two, there were four bucks together, I think. There was one buck in particular that he looked like he was almost done. And this was like around the 4th of July. And the other buck still had a ton of ton of grow, growing to do, you know. And so, so you will see that every so often as well. But I would say middle of July, we'll – We'll have a really good idea. We'll be able to tell, you know, what they're going to have as far as extras and, and non-typical points and stuff like that. So, Rick, what? Uh, let's talk optics for a second. Um, you've run through a whole uh, smattering of optics, much like I have. What is your go-to setup now, uh, not only from just around-the-neck binocular, you know, always on you to, you know, in your pack and then long-range binocular and then even spotting scope what what are you using so so i'm using i'm me and my dad are one of the few in our group that uh we're using the leica duo bids and so i've okay. stuck with the leica duo bids because i have a, a pair of 10 and 15s you know right there on my you know that i wear on my uh around my neck um and so i've stuck with those but in my opinion and all my guys have the you know the their 10 power Swarovski ELs and their, you know, 15s in their pack for a little bit longer range. Um, and, and and the 15 Swarovskis are amazing. I mean, it's some of the best glass um, that there is. Um, and so all my guys are running those. And then as far as spotting scopes, I believe pretty much all of us are running the 95 millimeter Swarovski, um, an incredible spotting scope. I love it. Um, and then we also have like I think three three sets of the Koa big eyes, the 32, 32 power uh, binoculars, which are which are awesome. Um, and so that's that's what we that's what we use Swarovski, um, the Koas, uh, Koa uh, Highlanders, um, and then the ninety five millimeter spotting scope. Right on, good stuff. Um, and and do you feel like the Koas? I mean, yes, they're heavy, and yes, the tripod's heavy, but they are pretty amazing when you can sit out on some of those big knobs out on the strip. And, I mean, literally, you can look out there, you know, three miles plus and, and actually be seeing deer and tell if it's a buck, tell if it's a good buck. Um, long-range glassing on the strip is, is imperative, wouldn't you say? It is, for sure. And I know, you know, what's the, the 95 millimeter? Because you, aren't you running the 95? Well, you're running both, aren't you? 95 and 65 J with the yeah. So my spotting scope is a 65 and a and a 95. The modular. Um, I like the straight eyepiece. Um, and I'm using actually the twin spotters, the STS, the 65 millimeter twin spotting scopes uh, on a bracket. So I've kind of gone, you know, from the doctors to the Koas to the BTX, and then back to the um, 
the 65 millimeter twin spotters, and I, I really like them. Um, they're 25 by 50 power wide angle lens with the 65 millimeter objective, and um, I really like them. They're, you know, half the weight of, of the Koas. Um, but I, I still know that the Koas, I mean, edge to edge clarity, um, the Koas are pretty darn hard to beat. It's just the weight is, you know. Exactly. Kills you. Yep, that's exactly right. And that's, you know, uh, what is it, the BTX or whatever for the, you know, for the 95 or 65. It, yeah. It's pretty awesome, too. Um, I, I believe one of my guys, Joe, he's he's running the uh, BTX, and, and he loves it just for that, you know, for that reason, the weight. You know, he can have it in his pack all the time. Um, you know, doesn't have to have to uh, worry about getting the colors out of the case, in your pack, and then back, yeah. you know, so. But, uh Let's talk about your team and how important it is to have a team of guys that are dedicated for, you know, having a passion for mule deer and having that mule deer addiction, like what your outfitting business is named after, how important that is for the success of your, of your group. It, it's, in my opinion, it's, it's really important. And, you know, we, we have just a, a, a good group of guys, you know, my family and, and my good friends that have been, you know, been uh, doing this with me for, you know, for years, and so, uh, you know, like last year, it was a tough year, and we still, you know, we just have had such a good group of guys, not only in my guys, but also our clients, um, and so we had a, you know, had a great time, but a, a, a good group of guys is, is really important. If, you know, for me personally, I wouldn't be able to, to scout as much and as many areas without my guys, and so, so they do an awesome job, and, and, you know, just love love doing it. You know, it's our passion. We we love it. It, it uh, you know, we're not the type of outfitter that has you know does it be for a living. We we do it because we love it and we love hunting big deer and you know and being out on the strip. And so, it's awesome, Breck. It's always great talking to you. I always enjoy. I haven't been up for a few years, but I always enjoy coming up to your camps. Um, why don't you tell the listeners the best way to reach out to you? The best way to follow what you guys are doing. Yeah, the best way to to, uh, to get a hold of me, uh, my number is 435-632-3541. Um, if you don't get me, uh, leave me a message or shoot me a text, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And then um, also uh, you can follow us on uh, Instagram. Um, I believe it's MDAE Outfitters um, on Instagram. And so those are probably two of the best ways. Awesome, man. Well, God bless you. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited for you on a wet year. Um, I can just tell. I can just tell by listening to you. You're fired up, and it's always good to have one of your buddies fired up about something. And I'm excited. Uh, I'm sitting on 18 points myself, so um, you never know what will happen. I'll have to draw on the random, but um, uh, I'll take it if it happens. So uh, that's right. I appreciate you coming on and sharing with us, and. Uh, Congrats on the success of your surveying business as well. I know it's just keeping you busy, and and, and then it allows you to make uh, good money so that you can spend the amount of time that you do out on the strip just beating up your equipment. Uh, are you still running a razor? I am. Yep, still running the razor. What tires are you running now, or what have you found? Have you have you found any new tires that are better than others? Um, I'm still running the the Maxis. I can't remember what it is. It's the it's not the Bighorn Maxis. It's it's not the Bighorns. It's it's more of like a street uh, 
street tire. Oh, radial uh, tire? Like a yeah, radial? like a radial tire, exactly. Yep, I can't remember what the what the model is on them, but it is a it is a Maxxis uh, Maxxis tire, and it, it's done really well for me. Have you had the the uh, Razor over ninety yet? Uh, close. No, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> if you just see a dust cloud out on the strip, there's a good chance it's Breck or one of his one of his team members. Um, Sounds good, buddy. God bless you. Thanks for coming on, okay? Okay, thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Bye. We'll see you. Bye.